This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Galatians chapter 5. If you're visiting with us tonight, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We believe God's going to minister to each one of us. How many of you are learning something about the character of God? And the character of God is something which should characterize our lives because the life of God is on the inside of us. Amen? Amen? Just nudge your partner, the person next to you, and say, wake up. I was going to say, tell him, wake up little Susie, but that may not be a little Susie next to you. Might be a big Susie. <laughs> Have a look at verse, uh, verse 16. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. He doesn't say try and walk in the Spirit. He doesn't say do your best to walk in the Spirit. He doesn't say you'll be able to walk in the Spirit 10 years after you're born again. He's writing here to the body of Christ. He's writing here to the church. He's writing here to believers. He's writing here to Christians. He's writing to people whose lives are filled with the life of God. And he says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Don't try to walk in it. So if he says walk in it, it means that we can. What we've got to learn to do if we're not walking in the Spirit is we've got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. He goes on and he says, walk in the Spirit. And I want you to see the, the, the next part of that verse says, and you will not. Say, I will not. I will not. You know, if we're walking in the Spirit, you can't be walking in the flesh. There's not half walking in the Spirit, half in the flesh. You're either walking in the Spirit or you're walking in the flesh. Now, the flesh is not this body. We, we've been through this so many times. Uh, your flesh, when we talk about flesh and we're talking about it, in uh, as pertaining to the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God, when the term flesh is used, the word flesh is uh, descriptive of the exercise of our human will when it's in conflict with what God wants. So God wants you to go right and you go left, you're in the flesh. God wants you to run and you walk, you're in the flesh. God wants you to praise Him and you stand there with your hands in your pockets, with your mouth closed, you're in the flesh. You're not tired, you're in the flesh. Yeah. Come on, guys. That's where we live. That's bottom line stuff. See? You know, you know what God has said to you. and God's, you know, So many Christians are waiting for God to speak to them every day about the same matter, and God doesn't do that. Have you noticed that God speaks once? And when He says it, it's done. He, he considers it, that's the matter dealt with, my kids are going to get obedient to me. That's why when I have people that come in and they say to me, please, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about my Christian walk. Why are you concerned about your Christian? Well, I'm not hearing from God. Uh, really? When last did you hear from God? Well, I heard from God when I was busy praying and seeking guidance, etc., etc., and God led me, and I'm in this place now. So they're in the place where God wanted them to be, but they still want God to keep talking to them. God's not going to. Not about that matter. Why? You are where God wants you to be. But we want strokes. We want God to speak to us. You're in the right place, my son. 
I know I'm in the right place and I, I've got that witness on the inside. You see, it's the same way. How do you know that you're born again? Well, I was at a meeting and I raised my hand for Jesus. And, and I went forward and I, they prayed over me. That's not being born again. Are you guys having a meeting there? Okay. So here I am and I raised my hand and I'm, I'm born again because I went forward. You're not born again because you went forward at a meeting. You're born again because when you went forward at the meeting, you received Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And there's been a change. If there's no transformation, I doubt whether you're born again. Because it's impossible for you to meet Jesus face to face and not be transformed. Impossible. My oldest son is uh, hes getting married in September. And he met a girl who's born again. But the transformation in her life was radical. She was out in the world seeking. And she was out in the world because she was seeking reality. <coughs> Went along and met Jesus on a Sunday morning. And literally her life turned around 180 degrees. She didn't meet my son. She didn't meet a boy. She didn't meet the love of her life in the natural. She met Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, you will be changed. If you are not changed, I'm asking you to check out and see whether you are born again. You can be raised in a church. You see, you can live in a garage all your life and you'll never come out a car. You can live in the church. Your parents may be in ministry full time. Your grandparents and your great grandparents. You may come out of a lineage that speaks of nothing but ministry and commitment to God. And not be born again. Because that's a personal thing. And if you haven't met Jesus, then you won't be changed. But I am going to say the converse. If you've met Him, you will be changed. There's nobody who met Jesus who wasn't transformed. See, because when 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man or woman be in Christ, they're a brand new creation. Brand new creation, not patched up. No bondo here. Brand new. It's, it means what it says. You'll go home and you will be that different that your, your family going to look at you and say, what happened? What happened? See? Now, you've met Jesus. You've met Jesus. But He continues to work out His will in our lives. He continues to work with us. He continues to impart. Now, we always, in every situation, have the opportunity of saying, I don't want to go any further, God. But I want you to realize something, that the things that we talk about here from the platform, the majority of Christians will not experience until they subjugate their will to the will of Jesus. It's called lordship. Uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth. Now listen to these next words. The Lord Jesus Christ. That means Jesus as Lord of your life. You will be saved. It doesn't say if you will receive Him as Savior. Church has been wrong in teaching that. 
See, I don't receive Jesus as my Savior. I receive Him as my Lord. And in that action of subjugating my will to His, I am saved. So it's the Lordship of Jesus. That means where I'm not my own, I'm bought with a price. I don't belong to myself. I'm no longer under the control and the authority of the kingdom of darkness. It cannot rule in my life unless I let it. But I learn through the growth process of the Christian experience, I learn what is mine in Christ and I start growing. That automatically will indicate change. My appetites are going to be different. The things that held me in captivity are no longer the things that are the main issues of my life. My focus is different. I'm now a person on a mission. I've got a purpose. I've got direction. I know where I'm going. I know why I get up in the morning. See, and I may not, uh, there, there may be people and ministries into people's lives that I never see the fruit of that. But I'm aware of the fact that I'm led by the Holy Spirit and there will be impartations that I'll be able to make under His guidance every day into somebody's life and that word will not return void. And that's what we're here for. We're here to impact the lives of people. We're here to be obedient and available to God. And that's called Lordship. And Lordship costs. We dealt with that on Sunday. Lordship costs. See? Where do you want to be? We talked about a spirit of excellence. And that spirit of excellence, you don't arrive at in a works program because if, you, if you're operating in a works program, I'll tell you what will happen. Three weeks down the road, three months down the road, when you're not getting the kick out of the works program, you're going to drop it. You're going to get tired of it. You're going to get what is called burnout. That's why ministers get burned out. They're in the flesh. They're trying to do a work for God. They're not doing the work of God. If God's doing the work, He does it through us. It's His power, His ability, His wisdom, and the impartations that are made. Whether, and I'm not talking from the platform only. I'm talking about in our everyday lives with the people that you meet in your office, the people that you meet on the campus, people that you encounter down in the mall. Those are all divine appointments. And God is went, he's, he's bringing across our paths opportunity. For people to get what? Our doctrine? Not. No. No. People are not interested in our doctrine. Our doctrine never saved anybody. Jesus saves people. And the attraction that people are going to be uh, drawn to God by is the manifestation of God operating in our lives. But the minute that you say that to charismatics, charismatics start thinking about signs and wonders. They think that they glow in the dark. They can walk across the pool, the swimming pool. No, 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 no. Those aren't the only signs and wonders. Do you know one of the greatest signs and wonders? Is the manifestation of God's character in a person's life. See? Now we talked last week about joy. All right? You're in Galatians chapter 5. We've just looked at verse 16. Swing across to verse 22. The same chapter, please. I dealt with this last week. I'm not going to deal with it at all tonight other than to say that the fruit of the recreated human spirit. It's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't have fruit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is it. Jesus said in John 15, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Fruit is always manifest on the branch. As a branch, fruit is manifest in us. The source of life for that fruit, enabling that fruit to be produced, comes through the vine. And that means I have to stay plugged in. I've got to stay connected with. Or no fruit will be produced. So the fruit of the recreated human spirit, and that's why you see the guy who is not born again is not connected, and if he's not connected, he can't be producing these things. That's why it's no good screaming and shouting at your husband who's not born again and telling him he must put away this and put away that and stop doing this and stop doing that. He's not able to. Because he's not born again. The root determines the fruit. (coughs) And what you're getting and in manifestation is an indication of what the person's root is. See? So now I want to produce fruit in my life. I want to make sure that the root is right before the fruit manifests. Amen? I mean, you've, you've encountered them. Come on. You know, we all have. How many of you have encountered somebody who's walked in the flesh? <laughs> How many of you encountered somebody today who walked in the flesh? <laughs> All right. Now, um, right at that moment in time, <laughs> where was the root? <laughs> See, we've got growing to do. We've got growing to do. We haven't arrived. Now, The fruit of the recreated human spirit, the fruit, because I've got the life of God on the inside of me, I should be producing the right kind of fruit. You and I, as born-again believers, should be producing what the Word of God calls and exhorts us to produce fruits of righteousness. But not righteousness that you have defined as righteousness, that which the Word of God defines for the individual. There are still some who smoke, there are some who drink, there are some who do this, some who do that, some who do... I don't preach against those things. And I don't because I don't find anywhere in the Word of God I've got the right to do that. What I do is bring the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit deal with you. So now if the Holy Spirit speaks to you about something and you get disobedient to Him, you're in trouble. I mean, do you realize that? Bad, bad, bad trouble. (laughs) Amen? So you don't want to do that. But you see, what the Holy Spirit may say to you about your life, He may not be saying to the person next to you. So there's not a blanket arrangement here. All right? Because we're individual, and God has a purpose and a plan for our own individual lives. So down the road, He knows what you and I are going to be encountering, and He is leading us there to a place so that when we encounter it, we're going to be able to handle it. Yeah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you and I are doing that. Amen. But now have a look at this. The fruit of the recreated human spirit is love. And I believe that that's what it is. I believe the fruit of the recreated human spirit is love. I believe that's If you get that, that love, I believe you're going to get the rest of it. You're going to get, you're going to have the joy. And the second one that we're going to look at uh, and we're going to be looking at tonight is peace. 
Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, or self-control, moderation. Against such there is no law. So we're going to have a look tonight at peace. Peace. The world cannot begin to understand the peace that comes from God. Cannot begin to understand it. The world thinks that they have peace when there's no war. It's rather interesting that 85% of history has to do with wars. 85% of history. So man has, has always lived in an environment that has produced wars of some, some description. Now, I looked at a definition of peace and this is what I found. Peace is defined as an undisturbed state of mind, the absence of mental conflict, serenity, calmness, quietness, tranquility. Now, if I have a look at that definition, I don't see too many Christians that are walking that way. So now we need to find out why. Because remember, we were instructed in Galatians 5.16 to walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Jesus is, is, is described in Isaiah, in, in, in Isaiah's prophecy as Prince of Peace. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Now, if we are to have God's peace permeating our emotions, then we need to realize that that peace has to originate out of His divine character, which is love, that is imparted to our spirit at the new birth. We dealt with this a couple of weeks back when we talked about walking in love. And you see, walking in love is something that you and I are not invited to do. We're commanded to do. The world has got to look at us and say, what's different about this? How can he, how can she handle the situation the way they're handling it? What is it that enables them to do that? And it's only the love of God. Now Romans 5.5 5 tells us that the love of God has. Say has. has. You know that's past tense. It's not the love of God will be shed abroad in your hearts. It's the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Are we warm enough? Too warm? Thank you. I see some eyelids going like this, JR. Turn on Alaska. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I know this is not the kind of stuff that the average charismatic wants to get involved with, you see, because the average charismatic wants to get involved with situations where when you point your fingers, lightning bolts come out and there's manifestations of great stuff. But listen, folks, it's character that we're talking about. And character is not what you've got, it's who you are. Who you are. 
And you can't impart peace if you don't have peace. You can't impart joy if you don't have joy. You can't impart love and walk in it if you don't know how to release it. Looking at Jesus, we have a look at His example. He's able to look at anybody in any situation and love them because He's able to look beyond the facades, the veneer, the outward appearance because the real person, the one that you're sitting next to, is only showing you what they want to show you of themselves. How many of you have been married for 30 years or more? Come on, let me have a look. Go and ask these well-educated people, educated in marriage, go and ask them whether they really know their married partner yet. It's taken no way, Jose. It's taken 30 years to get where you're at and you don't know them yet. That's why young people jump into marriage when they're 16, 17, 18. You're out of your mind. You need to go and see a real good shrink. Or get delivered. Or come and see me. I'm serious. You can't even find the floor when you get out of bed in the morning. How are you going to get married? I love him, pastor. And in five years' time, (laughs) he's broken my heart. I wish I'd never gotten married. I told God I want to hear that. (laughs) And you become a statistic. Because you wouldn't listen. Stupid thing, you. <laughs> Who am I talking to? Anyone? No, 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 don't raise your hand. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. No, it takes time to get to know a person. And even the people that you live with, you don't know them until you live with them. And you don't know them even then. For the next 30 years, you'll still be learning about them. And they're only going to show you initially what they want to show you. They don't show you the nice, scrumptious side that makes gossip real good. Those are the things that are hidden in that cupboard out there. Unless you come to me for premarital counseling. Amen? Yeah. Now, (laughs) when Satan attacks, when Satan attacks, and he will, you and I have the opportunity of deciding whether we're going to have turmoil or tranquility. The attack will come. Now make a decision beforehand as to how you're going to walk through that situation. Tranquility or turmoil. Being born again does not mean that I have a problem-free life. And when you <laughs> and when the when the tests come, you can say, I can, I can. walk in tranquility. How many of you really believe that? How many of you are able to do it? (laughs) Father, I pray over these people. I come against that spirit of deception and lying. Now, the only way that I can do that is I have to draw on the love of God that's on the inside of me. 
you see. For example, let's have a look at this. He has a very practical one. We counsel people regularly in this area. If I'm fighting the good fight of faith in the area of finances, yet my thoughts are telling me that there's no way that I can win, I need to have peace and tranquility come to my spirit so that I'm able to retain my focus on the Word, or I'm going to get moved off the Word. How many of you understand what I've just said? Having a tranquil mind helps us maintain God's perspective on what we see. Now, I got that by the Spirit of God. You should write that down. I know that was hot off the press. All right? And what you see is what you're going to say and what you say is what you're going to get. That's a, that's a principle of the Christian life. So having a tranquil mind helps us maintain God's perspective on what we see. I mean, you see, when I'm at, when I'm at peace, and that all hell can be breaking loose around about me, I know I'm coming through, I know what God's Word says, and that's my focus. But when... My emotions are running rampant and the billows are like this. I lose sight of where I'm going and what the end result is. And I start moving to a place where I stop seeing God's purpose for me. Not purpose in the situation. He didn't contrive it. Let's not blame God for contriving the situation. It's not God trying to knock you off your faith walk. It's the devil trying to move you off your stand on the truth of the Word of God. And when you lose perspective, you've got to be very careful because right then, you're probably the most vulnerable. You're, you're, you're subject then to failure more than, closest to, to, to failure more than any other time because you're going to speak out things that are on the inside of you. And you're planting seed and those seeds will produce a harvest. You will get what you say. Now, go with me to John chapter 16, would you please? John chapter 16. Jesus has just finished. John chapter 14, 15, 16 are three wonderful chapters. Go and read them for yourself. Meditate on them. Get them on your spirit, on the inside of you and your spirit. Deals with the Holy Spirit's coming. Jesus sending him to us and, and all that he will produce for us. But I want you to go to verse 33, the last verse of chapter 16. And Jesus is speaking and he says, These things I have spoken unto you. Now watch this next terminology, this, this next phrase, that in me, in me, you might have peace. Do you know when, when there's turmoil, the first place you should run to is the Lord. Don't run to the pastor for counseling. Because if you come to this one, he's going to tell you to get into the Lord. Because you see, I can comfort you to a degree, but the comfort I'm going to minister is from the Word of God. What happens if you don't have a pastor? What happens if the time comes and you're out there and you're needing comfort? The Holy Spirit is the one who's got to comfort you. You've got to know your position in Christ. You've got to know how to deal with crises. Because they'll come. The challenges of life are such. And there's nobody who's immune to it. Nobody. 
But God's provided for us the wherewithal to be able to handle those situations and come through victoriously. And the first one is this. Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. So that, that's part of the Christian experience. I, I would not want to be a person outside of Christ in the world. I mean, you've got no hope. You've got no purpose. You've got no direction. But what a wonderful provision is made for the born-again believer. You're in the world. You're not of the world. But in the world, you are going to have tribulation. Why? I'll tell you why. Satan hates your guts. Now, let me, just, let me just broaden that. Satan hates everybody's guts. He doesn't just hate you because you're a Christian. There, let me go across to this side. I get more response out of these guys over here. No, I don't. I'm coming back. I, I will return. But I, we've got to understand something. In the world, you're going to have that. Satan doesn't love anybody, even the people who are serving him well. His whole nature is such there is no love in him at all. He doesn't love them because they're doing such a good job for him. He's just happening to use them, and the end result of that use is he's going to drop them and kill them. So there's nobody that Satan loves. But for the born-again believer... We have got this victorious hope. In the world, you will have tribulation. But Jesus goes on and he says, But be of good cheer. In other words, rejoice! Why? He says, I've overcome the world. Now, if, you, if you, you go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, and you can read it yourself, it says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But now, hang on a minute. We're not talking faith over here. We're talking peace. But how do you think you get the peace to operate? I, I can't get it to operate just because it's there, because if it operated just because it's there, how come we're not seeing a whole lot of it? No. You've got to learn that it's on the inside of you. And you've got to learn how to, having, having understood now, it's on the inside of me. I've got to learn to release this peace. And this peace, unlike the joy, while the joy is for me, it will also be seen by others. So will the peace be seen. But it's the peace that keeps me on an even keel when the storms of life are at their wildest. It's the peace of God that passes understanding. That's what the Word of God talks about. And so Jesus says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So in the world you're going to have it, but I've overcome it. How did He overcome it? He defeated the enemy and then provided you and me with the wherewithal, even though when He comes against us, you're going to, you're going to have Him sometimes eyeball to eyeball in front of you. I can still walk right through that situation in peace. So I'm not afraid of what he can do. He can't do anything to me except what I allow. All right, well, let's press on. Now, the Greek word for 
For peace is the word from which we get serenity. It's serene. It means rest. It means quietness. And this is what the Lord wants you and me to learn to do is rest in Him. Or be calm in Him. To trust Him. Do you know that when you go to bed tonight, and I guarantee you, every one of you, if you got to bed last night, <laughs> I trust that you all did. When you go into bed, you didn't check the bed construction to see if it's going to hold you. You got changed and you jumped into bed. You trusted the manufacturer. Come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> because, listen, the bed was made for that purpose. It's the same as the chair that you're sitting in. It was made for that purpose. I'm going to make this, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that God was made for this purpose, but God manifest Himself to you for this purpose, to put your trust in Him. There's nothing else that you can trust in this world. You know that, that pretty person sitting next to you? Don't trust him. Especially Andy Andrews. Don't trust him. Just said in jest for those that are listening on the tape. But I want you to realize something. That's what God's purpose is. God's purpose in our lives is to provide us with life superabundant and then to provide us with the confidence to put our trust in Him because He'll never let you down. Now we've got to learn to release peace. How do I do that? By faith. Father, I want to thank You for Your peace that rules and reigns in my heart right now. Now in order to do that, it might be necessary for you to go and closet yourself off with God. Close your bedroom door. Get away from the hum of the world and say, I need to quieten myself because, Lord, I need to make contact with you. Some of you are going through some real tests and trials right now. You need to have the peace of God manifesting in your life. Now, the reason that we need to develop peace in our daily lives is because of the opposition that we have as Christians and also the fact that we are merely in life. Do you know that life has its ups and downs? This is what the world will tell you. That life has its ups and its downs. You don't have to have ups and downs. What does the word tranquil mean? Calm, peaceful. Now, if I've got the peace of God, which is described as being tranquility, peacefulness, doesn't matter what's going on round about me, within me, I can go through this in peace. It's a picture of a hovercraft. Have you noticed, it doesn't make any difference how choppy the water is. The hovercraft just goes on an even keel right across because it's traveling on a cushion of air. Amen? Amen. 
There can be a tremendous turbulence round about it. It goes through on an even keel because of the air that it's on. You and I can go through life. That's, I'm not saying that there isn't turbulence. But the point is this, that we don't have to experience the turbulence. You can rise above it. Have a look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 28. Matthew chapter 1, verse 28. Ah, wrong verse. Wrong verse. Wrong verse. I've left out a reference there. Uh, Well, that's okay. I've got other scriptures I can bring. The rest that Jesus talks about, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. The word rest, and I know that's in chapter 5, I think it is. 11. Is it 11.28? 11.28, thank you. That's where the thing is. Chapter 11, verse 28, thank you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, that are laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now the word rest is the same word in the Greek for peace. In the, in the original Greek, they're synonymous. Rest and peace. And you can have peace and you can experience rest if you keep your mind focused on God. The majority of us do not know how to keep our minds focused on Him. We start focusing on the problem that is causing the turbulence in our lives. And you take your eye off Him and you'll put your eye on the problem and you will find that very, very quickly the turbulence that you see outside starts manifesting on the inside of you. Your emotions run haywire. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, The prophet says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. The peace that we need to have experienced, uh, that we need to experience, that we need to know, and uh, when, when things get real tough, we need to know and grab hold of, is something which comes to the mind. Your spirit man is filled with the life of God. But it's the area of the emotions that we run into problems in. And the emotional area produces a turbulence. If you let it, you and I are to be in charge of our emotions. The majority of Christians haven't grown to a stage where that is their experience and the emotions are in charge of them. I don't feel like going to church today. Why? Well, you're not going to be truthful, but last week they never greeted you the way you thought you should be greeted. There were things that took place and your nose has been put out of joint. means you're still a spiritual baby. But you're a ripe candidate for moving into this area and you'll never experience peace because you're operating your Christian life out of the emotions. The majority of Christians make decisions out of the emotions, not out of the spirit. And then you end up with a mess and then people have got to help you straighten it out. Yes, it's part of growth. But we've got to learn that there is a way for me to operate and God desires for me to operate out of my spirit man and not out of my emotions. 
Why are we so quiet? My goodness. All right, now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, says this. When I can find it, I'll tell you what he says. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word let means allow. That means there might be a place where I'm not allowing it to happen. There might be circumstances where I'm not permitting the peace of God to rule and reign in my heart. You and I get the choice. Why would I want my life to be in upheaval all the time? Wouldn't I want to have the peace of God? Yes. Oh, Lord, just help me think straight in this situation. Lord, there's so much that's against me. Help me, Jesus. And he says, I will. But listen, you got your eye in the wrong place. You're looking at the circumstances. Draw aside, come away, just come and sit down here, take 10 deep breaths and let me minister to you. And the first thing he's going to minister to you is this. Let, let the peace of God. Let it. That word let means allow. In other words, allow the peace. Well, Lord, fill me with your peace. He's already done it. (coughs) Let your peace come upon me. It can't. Peace rises up from within you. It doesn't come upon you. There's not an anointing of peace. We've got to learn to release the peace and the, the fruit of the recreated human spirit. And so here I am. Doesn't make any difference how big that challenge looks. I can walk through that challenge in peace. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. The word heart there is not talking about my spirit man. It's talking about the center of my being, the eternal aspect, which is me, which is spirit man and the soulish realm. The realm where I make decisions. The realm where the majority of Christians operate out of. Now, you and I have to choose to have God's peace in our minds rather than choosing turmoil. And then, having made that choice, we have to learn to develop that peace. You see, if you're not sleeping at night, the devil's winning in two areas. Number one, he's stealing your peace. That's why you're not sleeping. And number two, he's also stealing your sleep. The third area where he's going to benefit is that it won't be too long before you cease to be able to function during the day because you haven't had enough sleep. Then you lose your job. Come on. See? So we've got to understand that we've got to choose to have God's peace on the inside of us, and then we've got to learn to develop it. There is no peace in worry. Worry is fear of bad things. Worry is the result of meditating on things that you don't want to have happen to you. Come on. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 says this, 
My goodness, why have I got a wrong reference there? Uh, is it 4-7? How do you know it's 4-7? You're right. You are too. Just have a look at verse, at verse 7 of chapter 4. Thank you for your help there. The peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. What is it that's going to keep our hearts? Oh Lord, I need to fast. Is that going to keep your heart? Is more prayer going to keep your heart? It's the peace of God that keeps your heart. Do you see that? Now, in order for, him to, for, for that to be the case, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In order for us to come to that experience, we've got to think on the things that produce life and virtue. They tells us what they are in the next verse. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So I've got to think of the things that produce virtue and life and praise if I want to get to a place where I'm able to girden God and keep my heart through the peace of God. The majority of Christians forget about what God has said about our circumstances, forget about what God has said concerning His purpose and His plan for our lives, the minute that the waters get all mucky. The minute that the winds of change start to blow, people lose sight of what God has said, and they start looking at the circumstances, and God move, and the devil moves them right out of God's purpose and God's plan for them. We had a couple that one time were part of the church, and she was a real vibrant live wire, and uh, very young, got born again, and obviously was growing in the Lord, and was, it was growing wonderfully. husband got born again, and the two of them, they had the normal sort of challenges that, that, that people have, and there was adjustment and so on that needed to take place. But they came in one day and they said, we're moving. I said, oh, all right, sit down, let's have some coffee. And they, uh, they said, yes, uh, the Lord is moving us on. Uh, my husband's got a job, and as they mentioned where he had the job. I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, where are you going to go and worship? Now remember, they're only born again probably 15 months, two years maybe. Where are you going to go and worship? Well, we've actually been down and we've had a look at the place. Now there isn't a church in the area that we would go to. But the nearest one is about 80 miles away. I said to them, I don't believe God is moving you on. I believe the devil's moving you aside. God is not stupid. Yeah, you've got a spiritual baby, two of them, growing in the things of the Lord. God is starting to bless them. The Word is starting to work for them. And here they get moved to a place where if they go to church once a month, it's going to be a lot. But the Lord led us there. I said, no, the Lord didn't lead you there. I believe the devil opened a door and you guys have taken the bait. Hide and see. God does not move you out of His will where you are growing spiritually and put you in a place where you are not going to get fed just to give you a job. 
God's not stupid. The devil will provide that for you. He'll move you way out and he will get you so busy, you can't attend church. And what's going to happen to you spiritually? You're going to die. Seeing the devil work this trick and pull this in people's lives. And they, they, yeah, they are standing giving testimony, glory to God. And it's not glory to God because God wasn't in that. The devil opened a door, bang, they took the gap. And the end result is what? Disaster. So you and I need to understand this. Now, if you really believe God's word, peace becomes your security whenever troubles and attacks come. You can stand securely on the word and not be disturbed by the circumstances. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, you're in Philippians. I want to read a scripture for you that a lot of Christians don't want to have a look at because it speaks to our situation, each one of us. It's Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to be reading verse 8. For he that sows to his flesh shall out of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall out of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And the interesting word about that word everlasting in the Greek, it's life without boundaries. Now if you want to experience life without boundaries, you've got to sow to the Spirit. The way that you sow to the Spirit is spending time in the Word of God, developing fellowship with Him. There are too many Christians who come in for counseling who don't need to be counseled. What they need to do is get into the Word of God for themselves and develop fellowship with God and, they'll, and the Holy Spirit will straighten their lives out. But they're not prepared to do that. They want to be fed all the time. They want to take up people's time when they themselves are too lazy to get into the Word for themselves. Every time that we have a seminar here of any description, we don't do it because we think it's a good idea and we've got nothing to do. We do it because we know that those who attend will derive benefit if they will, number one, attend, number two, receive what is being shared, and will, number three, go and apply it in their lives. The whole purpose of those uh, seminars is to cause people to grow and come to maturity. Maturity means I can handle the circumstances of life using God's Word and faith in God's Word, and I may experience them, I will experience them, but I'll come through on the other side victoriously. That's maturity. Maturity is not based on how much of the Word of God you've memorized. It's got nothing to do with how loudly you speak in tongues. That's not maturity. Maturity is... How well are you handling life? Because you see, the purpose of what God's given this to us for, its purpose is to help you in your life. Every area. Spiritually, mentally, relationally, financially, materially. In every area. So that you can experience life without boundaries. Now very quickly, and I've got eight minutes, let me give these to you. Three steps on how to develop peace. Just three steps. How do I develop it? I, I, need to, I know I need to draw on it. It's on the inside of me. You, you realize that. Because the life of God's on the inside of you. 
that peace of God that passes all understanding is on the inside of you. Now, if you want to experience it, you have to learn to release it. You've got to choose to walk in it. When the circumstances come against you like that, you've got to make a choice. Either I'm going to look at the circumstances and I'm going to let their impact influence me, or I'm going to keep my eye fixed on what the Word of God says and I'm going to walk through the situation and I'm going to walk through it the way that God has provided for me to walk through it. And that is in peace in this instance. So the first thing I need to realize is this, that I've got to know God. That's basic. I've got to know God. But Barry, I already know God. No. I didn't say know about Him. I said know Him. A lot of people know about God, and they'll tell you about God. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about knowing God. Not about Him. Knowing Him. Knowing Him. I've got to know God. I've got to know God. I've got to know what He will and will not do. I've got to know what He has and hasn't provided for me. I've got to know how to operate in that. I have to know God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 uh, says, For He, talking about Jesus, He is our peace. Now, if He is our peace and you're born again, He lives on the inside of you, then the Prince of Peace living on the inside of you provides for you all the peace that you need to be able to handle any situation. But you've got to keep your eye focused on the fact it's provided and it is for you. The whole time the devil's trying to shake you loose of that thought. Uh, why don't you just have a, have a look at what I'm doing now? Have a look at the bills. Have a look at the empty checkbook. Have a look at the symptoms. I thought you were healed. Feel it. Uh-uh. That's one of the devil's cleverest tricks. Person comes up. What do you, what do you, I need you to pray. I've got pain in my knees. Oh, okay, we'll pray. You pray over them, and it goes. And as they turn around, the devil says, feel whether it's gone. It doesn't make any difference. Don't feel. Keep walking. Hello? <laughs> You're a very strange crowd here tonight. Very strange. What's that? Oh, you're taking it in. Good. There can only be true peace in a person's heart when Jesus is in control of the life. Do you know how many people love God and Jesus is not in charge of their lives? It's called the Lordship of Jesus, but He's not Lord. He's Lord as far as they want Him to be, but there are areas that they feel they can control better than Him. So there's no peace when it comes to challenges of life because he's not in charge. Now, the second thing that you've got to do is you've got to love God's Word. 
that's okay. Uh, I'm amazed at Christians who never read the Word. What are you feeding yourself on? What are you feeding yourself on? You see, you have a look at the people in the training center. And let me, let me just mention this. One of the biggest deceptions that they're going to encounter is this. The devil says to them, you don't have to worry about a quiet time. You don't have to worry about feeding yourself. You sit in the training center there. The training center is not a, ty- not a place for you to feed. You'll later on feed on the information, but that'll be years later on in many instances. And you'll find that, you, that you're experiencing negative growth sitting there thinking, I can just feed myself off the lectures and the teachings. You can't. You can't. That's not feeding material. You have to feed yourself. So I've got to love God. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace. Have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Today, many take God's word as being irrelevant. Do you know that God and His word are the same? And this is how I get to know Him. I get to know Him through His word. I don't get to know Him because some guy stands on a platform and shares. That points me in the right direction, but that doesn't produce intimacy. Intimacy comes when I'm in my bedroom and I'm t- I've got the Word of God and I'm speaking to God and letting Him speak back to me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm feeding my spirit man. We're having a communion meal. Okay. And then number three, you've got to practice peace. You've got to practice it. Practice it. Put it into practice. To have peace and retain it, you have to practice it. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, I'm going to read one scripture and then just give you a comment on it. And it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, be careful for nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. Do you know what careful means? Do not be filled with care about anything. There are a lot of Christians filled with care. That is what steals their peace. Filled with care. Be filled with care for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now the word keep there, in the Greek, means it's a word that is used where a sentry is positioned to ensure that no enemy attack is successful against the area that he is sent to guard. That's what the word keep means. And I want you to see what it is that will keep us. The peace of God, which passes understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds. 
The peace of God will be the sentry positioned around your hearts and your minds, and the enemy will not be able to achieve and succeed at what his purposes are. He wants to bring you and me into turmoil. He wants to bring us to a place where our vision of what God purposes for us becomes obscure. He brings turbulence into our lives, emotional upheaval. And he's trying to get our vision off what God has said. Stay focused on what God has said. Choose to walk in peace. Release the peace by faith and thank Him for it because it's girding and guarding your mind and your heart. And just like the hovercraft, you'll go over the turbulence on a a cushion of air, unaffected by what's going on. Stay focused. Thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for your peace. Your peace is alive on the inside of us. Your peace is there because you live on the inside of us. And we thank you that that peace is something that each one of us, in the days that lie ahead, will want to have harnessed and released. Thank you that we're learning how to do this. Thank you that by faith we can release the peace that comes from your presence in our lives. I pray over people whose hearts are in turmoil here tonight where their circumstances are the focus of their attention. Lord, minister to them that their attention's focus will be what you have said and that they'll pass through that situation, they'll pass through that circumstance in peace. Thank you for the growth that is taking place in our lives. We bless you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for it. And in the days that lie ahead, we thank you that increasingly we're going to be able to see manifestations of development and growth in our own lives because we're embracing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.